to another episode of That's a Wrap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales. Happy Valentine's Day. I guess we're recording this on Valentine's Day. And uh, we are three degenerates who don't want to spend time <laughs> with our significant other, I guess. We really should be. <laughs> we are. Who are, my, who, are my two other, who are my two other degenerates? We, we are spending it with our significant others. We're, we're all together. <laughs> we're, like, oh, we're here. Look at this guy. This guy uh, with the lines. Uh Andre, uh, you know, you know who it is. Uh, it's Raptors podcast uh, for fans by fans. And speaking of fans, we got another one over here. Uh, what's up, Chase? What's up, guys? What's up? Uh, yeah, I, I guess happy Valentine's Day. I mean, I, I don't know. My wife's not too mad at me. She is glaring at me right now with her glaring eyes, but I, I, she loves me. It's okay. <laughs> she, but I'm glad I'm here with you guys. We'll talk talking raps. Um, I guess we have a lot to talk about. We always have something to talk about. Even if it's like a slow week, uh, the wraps are off until next Friday. It's going to be All-Star Weekend this weekend. But, I mean, there's still a lot to talk about. And there's a lot of love. There's a lot of love to show. That's true. There is a lot of love to show. We we are recording this on the 14th. and We're going to show some love to a couple of new guys that we've got on the squad. Yes, sir. Starting with with Mark Gasol. So, you guys must start there. Like, he's he's three games into his... uh, into his Raptors career, what do what do we think? I kind of want to go oh first because I did see him live, and he it was the first time he stepped foot in the Scotiabank Arena, and the standing ovation was beautiful. There's a couple of things that stand out to me on offense, in particular. He kind of opens up the space for the Raptors, and it's it, it's it was best described on TSN actually. I was listening on the radio, and he's kind of like the bridge between the Kawhi offense of the Raptors and the Raptors offense of the Raptors. So Kawhi offense is very ISO heavy, right? And he, he he's even mentioned it uh, when he gets the ball late in the shot clock, there's a lot of like ball watching. Everyone's kind of watching to see what he does. And like the six seconds left, he might shoot a three. There's a lot of like, you know, let's see what Kawhi does. And then there's the Raptors offense, which is free flowing. It's a lot of fast paced, push the ball and everything, but it's very prone to turnovers. Gasol is the bridge between those two. If you can kind of throw him into throw it into that block where Gasol can operate, he's a really good passer. He's a really good shooter, and you notice that all the Raptors are all of his teammates are cutting in multiple directions. So there's a threat of having Gasol pass outside to the three point line or someone cutting, and then he can do like a hook shot out of nowhere. So he opens up the entire space or so many so many options for offense on defense we've been playing against a lot of heavy shooter teams like brooklyn and uh what was the other team we just faced uh washington so like they're all three-point shooting teams but when, when we have when we play bigs like Embiid and horford and yochich gasol is going to be a load to handle uh, that block against bradley beal that was like that was amazing. They, he ended his life. Yeah, I think yeah. he, he did. I think that was it. He like, like took, feels like I'm just gonna retire right now. <laughs> he, he like took the ball, st- stared at him, realized he was still inbounds, and then threw an out the Bastelari. Like it was, it was incredible. I I don't know. Yeah, I think like Gasol is going to change a lot of the offense for this Raptors team. Yeah, absolutely. As a Grizzlies fan, it's just him actually flourishing after post Randolph years, where the Grizzlies and Gasol had been floundering. On the Raptors, you can already see, as you said, the opening up of the floor. I mean, this chunk of guys trotting down the court at once. You have this huge star formation or this crazy kind of cat's cradle of combination. It's not just so systemic anymore. Like, it's actually it's actually like a ball game. It's, it's incredible to look at just how much 
potential he creates because he's tall. He can pass it out. Hook shots, as you said, it really does open up possibilities because you don't quite know what he's going to do or he could just go for the shot, which as we've seen, he could still land pretty easily. So, I mean, his effectiveness is already being felt and it's great. Yeah. And um, I love what both of you guys had to say there. And and one thing that, that I find is I'm finding with Gasol already, and again, this is only three games in, is even when the, the game script isn't really running right for him, and I'm thinking specifically of of the Washington game, he, you know, if you really look at, like as as much as we're you know gushing over everything he brings to the team, um, he actually didn't have that great of a game against Washington. Um, you know, of of course, other than the amazing block on on Beal, um, you know, all in all, he didn't really he didn't play too much. He only played nineteen minutes. He didn't have a great game overall compared to his first two games. He didn't have the same kind of impact. But I, I find similarities with him and with Lowry, where let's say Lowry's having a bad shooting game. And the comparison here is like Gasol um, didn't quite fit in with the pace of this game because he's, he's a lot older. He's more of the, you know, the grit and grind Grizzlies type right. where the pace has to be ridiculously slow. Uh, this Wizards game was fast paced. And it was a bit too fast for him. And again, similar to Lowry, if Lowry's having a bad shooting game, he tries to make an impact somewhere else, whether it's taking a charge, whether it's setting up his teammates if his shot's not falling. Uh, Gasol did the same here, right? It's like his, it was a bit too fast for him, so it meant like setting those hard screens and doing the no-look passes and the occasional block or the outlet pass. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, love what I'm seeing from him. And, um, you know, and just to add to that, I contributed to this week's uh, Raptors HQ roundtable. I imagined what's it going to be like once Gasol starts getting more minutes with the starting unit. And that's eventually going to happen, whether it's with the starters or part of the closing unit. Imagine him instead of Ibaka. And look at these, like, just imagine this, right? So Gasol gets the ball in the elbow and Siakam starts to cut towards the basket. Now think of all of these possibilities. So, And I'm going to read this verbatim off of what I wrote. On, on Raptors HQ. So Gasol dishes to Siakam, who has a running start and is already an above average finisher around the rim. That's an easy layup. Mm-hmm. Another possibility. Defense collapses into the paint. Gasol finds Green out in the corner where he is the best shooter, three-point shooter in the NBA in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, another scenario. Defense collapses into the paint. This time, Gasol eyes Green. Defender leans. Gasol finds Lowry in the wing. There goes another three. Mm-hmm. Let's try another one. The defense sags just a little bit. So then Gasol just hits the jumper. Same scenario. Gasol takes one step towards the basket, drawing some attention from the help defender. And guess what? He finds Kawhi on the baseline where he's, again, another area where along the baseline, Kawhi is the best shooter in the NBA. So two of those surrounding him where they are the best in that specific zone, uh, the best shooters in the NBA is just it's the the possibilities are endless and that's just on the offensive end yeah and and the thing is Kawhi was the only player that kind of asked for a double team or even sometimes a triple team whereas now when we have someone like Gasol he's kind of like Embiid when if he's so inside the paint so down low there's no way of stopping Embiid of of getting a basket same with Gasol he's so much taller than a lot of the fours and fives in this league that if you get him if he's in the paint he's probably going to score that's going to call for double teams triple teams sometimes and then 
like you said, Jay, swing to Lowry, who's going to swing to Danny, who might swing to a cutting Siakam, boom, layup. And if called for, Kyle is going to push the ball with Siakam uh, running the floor. But if there is a necessity of, or if Nick Nurse wants to call a play with Gasol's help, that could also happen too. So I think having a player like Gasol, who who has a lot of reputation of you know being a good passer, being a good shooter, and can score under the basket, like it's just it's not going to do anything else but help this team on offense. Same thing on defense. He for a heavy shooting team like Washington, of course they're going to shoot a, a whole bunch of threes. But I mean, if they miss it, we have a big body like we did with JV, who's going to get those defensive rebounds and who's smart enough to you know do an outlet pass right away to Kyle or. If they want to drive like what Beal just did, they're all scared. Gasol is a massive, massive man. <laughs> so I just think that uh, offensively and defensively, I do think that Serge is going to have a little bit less playing time, but uh, we're playing for the championship. You know, everyone's going to have to know their role and and Serge is going to have to realize that if Gasol is on the floor, it's going to be a positive out- outcome. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I echo what you said. Like the, the impact will be felt all up and down the team and not necessarily in a negative way with Ibaka. Like I, I understand that Ibaka has kind of earned the right of being a starter. He was a fringe all-star candidate, but putting him to the bench, whether it's as, as the game starts or even for the closing unit, it's not really going to be that bad because the, the pick and pop game or the, the pick and roll game that he's developed with Lowry, he can now get that developed with our newest addition on the bench, Jeremy Lin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that that's a demotion. It's just that when when the playoffs roll around, the pace is going to slow down, and that is where Gasol's presence will thrive. I mean, it's not going to be fast paced at all, uh, as much as probably the Bucks will try to make that happen. With the pace slowing down, that's going to benefit having Gasol in the lineup more. But again, that's not a detriment to to Ibaka. I mean, him playing on the on the bench and creating a pick and roll. A dynamic duo this time with Jeremy Lin is just going to be wonderful for for the bench, and then that'll prop us up when starters are down. So, I mean, I think that's that's a great segue into you know talking about our other new addition of, of Jeremy Lin. I mean, mm-hmm. Trey, what'd you think, man? He he's got one game under his under his belt. What'd you think? Well, I I liked what I saw with Jeremy Lin, uh, even though the very first thing we saw was you know a turnover. Him that he does have turnovers when he also has unpredictability, including that backwards pass to Lowry, which I thought was beautiful. And I think that'll be great because we'll have a lot of defensive presence to clear up where he might make mistakes and he's going to shine. I think we're going to have a tenacity that we were looking for when it came to the depth of the Raptors bench, which we were looking for that, that spark. And I think Jeremy Lin so far has showcased that he, he but otherwise I think what we saw was excellent. And this whole thing is, is fantastic because there's definitely Gasol and, and Jeremy Lin. And it's not just because they're both new. I There was a definite chemistry there, as you pointed out, Jay. I think what I noticed the most is how healthy he looks. Like yeah. Jack Armstrong said it best in the broadcast. Like he, he's basically in game shape. He's been playing, what, 22 minutes a game for Atlanta. So really he's he's ready to play. He's not trying to get like comfortable uh, playing more minutes again Uh you know he's he's been playing for his, the entire year already so like he's he's ready to play he just needs to learn 
the Raptors' tendencies. And I feel like his IQ and his experience, his game readiness, like it's going to be very fast for him to accumulate with the team. It's going to be very smooth. And especially with the news with uh, Fred Van Vliet out for five weeks, like there's no mm-hmm. better pickup than to have a backup point guard or like almost like a two guard that he was, that Fred Van Vliet was playing. Jeremy Lin is kind of a perfect fit. It's not like we want, we saw this coming. I mean, no, the the news broke about Fred Van Vliet. I'm sure like the front office knew uh, there was something coming because, uh, you know, F- Fred probably told his trainers or his trainers probably told him that he has to go through surgery. I think we had to jump on that train when it was available. Lynn is a perfect fit. He's a pretty good player, you know, and I think he's a very good character guy. And let's be honest, Masai knows the impact that he, that Lynn has on the Canada scene. We all know that, right? So yeah. I, I want to talk about Lynn Sanity, <laughs> all right? I know Jeremy Lynn doesn't want to talk about okay. it, but I want to talk about it with you guys, all right? Where were you when it happened? When he got the ball um, for the game-winning shot against Jose Calderon, 2012 uh, Valentine's... Was it Valentine's Day? I think it was Valentine's Day, or like a day before, a day after. I don't know. I think it was February 12th. Yeah, it was, February it was 12th. close to Valentine's Day. Close enough. Yeah, so, and I just want to know where you where you guys are. Do you remember where you were when this happened, when the, the peak of Lynn Sanity happened? Oof, I don't think I remember, actually. No? I, I, I should. I bet you it'll come to me after, but I can't remember. <laughs> But I remember, like, yeah, there was, it was, I remember the feeling of it when I saw it. I remember it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was, no, there was, you know, you, you got to admit, though, it was, it was different than any, almost any other Raptors game I've ever watched because the crowd was so right. pro Lynn. Like, yeah. it's, it was insane. You, I could, if you didn't see, you know, Air Canada Center on the floor, like, you would have thought that we were playing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But speaking about all of that, isn't it nice to finally see Jeremy Lin? Because he's a bit of a journeyman, let's be honest. He's finally on even just a decent team. It's it's nice. It's not Charlotte. It's not Atlanta. It's not, God forbid, New York. He's actually on a really good team. So yeah, he, I mean he even he even pointed that out. He said that, you know, he's he's been to the playoffs in his career four times, all four times lost in the first round. And yeah. now that he's on the Raptors, he even said, he's like, I feel like I'm cheating. Like I'm going <laughs> from like first round playoff fodder to like NBA finals contender. Right. So, this is DeMarcus Cousins all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, No, that's true. But no, I, yeah. I, I remember watching that game and I was like, I was at home watching uh, it with my family and, I just remember, like, Matt Devlin counting down. Fans on their feet. Five, four, win for the win. Got it. Like you said, Jay, the crowd was insane. The crowd was on his feet. It was also Asian Heritage Night. So that was the the game after uh, he dropped, I think, 34 or something against the Lakers. And Damn. the Asian community loves Kobe, okay? Like, I, I can attest. My wife can attest. And it was prime Lin Sanity. So as a kid who grew up in Markham of Chinese descent, like, it meant much more than just a buzzer beater by Jeremy Lin. Like, basically, Yao mm-hmm. Ming is kind of like the pinnacle when it came to NBA stars of Asian descent, right? But he was miles away. He played in Houston, and he's from a country that 
honestly, I don't really feel connection with, but I know that he... Star- Yao Ming was kind of like the first uh, to begin the, the recognition when it came to the Asian stars and Asian players. Uh, but Lin, right. uh, Lin though, he, he like as a Asian American, he's not tall. He's a kind of a skinny kid. Uh, he's kind of like the Steph Curry, you know, to us Asians. Him doing that against like... That's what he was. Yeah, you know, like him doing that against the Raptors. I know Dre, it kind of hurt, but to me, the positive kind of weighed out, weighed the, outweighed the negatives, you know? It was the, Absolutely. the Raptors basically lost, but let's be real, that 2012 Raptors were friggin' terrible. So, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, they, they were crap anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, when, when a player like that who kind of looks like me, it's different. It's definitely different. Like there's, there's definitely a sense of, of he, it's, he, I feel like what you're trying to say is that he's representing, he's representing more than the Jersey that he's wearing. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's representing a whole lot more. And he was like, he, he, like you said, Dre, he's the, he's a journeyman. Right. But that just means that other eight other teams knew how big of an impact it was, uh, that Lin Sanity was. And, and they all know that he, he's good enough to play in the NBA. Right. Right. So like I was saying before, I don't think Masai signing Jeremy Lin just to be, okay. he's a a good player. I think the whole point of him playing for Toronto, who is basically what, one fifth Asian descent. I mean, that that does a huge, huge uh, difference when it comes to sales, when it comes to publicity, when it comes to like, I think this could be maybe not as big as if we signed uh, Vince Carter. But if there was anyone else to garner more attention and get more fans um, with this team, I think Jeremy Lin is that signing. Which our chemistry with our audiences is actually very important come playoff time as well. It's what home court brings in a way to combat the other team. Mm-hmm. So on that note, it's absolutely like perfect. Yeah. And I would say that like, you know, it's funny because like that, that happened seven years ago. It felt like it happened yesterday. But if we were to rewind to seven years ago into that buzzer beater, and if you were to ask me what are the top five, you know, Raptors buzzer beaters in franchise history, I might actually list that. Like, even though it wasn't by a Raptor, like I would possibly list that only because a our franchise hadn't accomplished anything really yeah. to that point. This was that was yeah. the pre yeah. Dwayne Casey days, and yeah. and and b like. The feel you could feel the energy through the television, like whether you were at the arena or not, that was just magical. Like, and and I know that sounds very you know hyperbolic or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, it was that would be in my top five. It as is. crazy as that sounds, no, it like, is. I, like, yeah. you know, when you want to go back and watch those Vince Carter highlights uh, or the like the Vince Carter dunk competition, you'll watch twenty minutes of Vince Carter and you'll get that feeling of nostalgia, a feeling of magic that happened that we kind of lived through. That absolutely for a, for myself and for a lot of Asian people in the city, that shot by Jeremy Lin is that moment of magic. You know what I mean? And so whenever I watch that, it just like it brings a smile. It doesn't even bring a smile to my face. It bring, gives me goosebumps thinking about like Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity, two covers of Sports Illustrated. I think like it was incredible. But Jay, like you were saying about buzzer beaters, though, I do want to ask you something. Both you and Dre. Do you mm-hmm. have a favorite buzzer beater? Now, I'm not talking about like game winner buzzer beater. I'm talking about favorite Raptor buzzer beater of, of, of all time. Do you guys have Absolutely. one? Absolutely. Back when Toronto wasn't a great team, as we've established, which before I go into that, Jay, I, I, 
I do not fault you for making that a, one of your favorite Raptors moments. One of my favorite Raptors moments was Kobe dropping 81 on us. So I, I understand. <laughs> it's, it's a legacy. Yeah. But um, yeah, back when the Raptors weren't that great, and I'm thinking 11, 12 years ago, uh, the 06, 07 season, we didn't have much to play for. It was against the Wizards, no less, major rivalry against them. The final seconds, there was a foul shot with the Wizards. Now will the Wizards foul down the floor. And it's a deflection by Ruffin. And the play continues. Peterson got it! I don't believe it! I don't believe it! Is it good if it goes? We gotta check it out! If it's good, we're going into overtime and a Hail Mary three by Mo Pete! I don't believe what I just saw! Onions, baby onions! The Raptors toss it in, and of course it gets intercepted by wizard Michael Ruffin. He tosses it up in the air. And that's when Morris Peterson, who's only known for this now, unless you're a diehard fan, launches it with like 0.5 seconds left, ties the game, sends us into overtime. Beautiful. I mean... Oh, I remember where I was when I saw that too, man. I was going crazy. Yeah, that would that would probably be I mean, like almost the top of my list as well. Oh, man. All right, what do, what do you got then? Jay, got, what do you got? I've got another one that uh, it's it's kind of ironic because the buzzer beater you're talking about didn't necessarily win the game. Like it forced overtime, and yes, we ended up winning, but like that one specifically didn't win the game. It, it, it truly felt like we did um, after that shot. But the one I'm thinking of also did not win the game. Okay, and it was a little. I don't know if it was a little bit earlier than that. November 29th. 2006 if you remember third string point guard Derek Martin barely we think we were playing in in Dallas and the Raptors had this ridiculous 300 game or 400 game streak of hitting at least one three-pointer and it was about to, to end the Raptors had not hit any three-pointers in that game they were getting destroyed by about 25 points and there was Point five seconds left. Eric Martin was just dribbling out the clock. And then all of a sudden, he flings up a three and drains it right at the buzzer. And I wish I wish we had, you know, I wish I had saved the the, the coverage of it because I think I'm pretty sure Swirsky kind of got excited over it. I think even he's referenced it. Like, he remembers that. He remembers calling that game and saying, yeah, I was excited. Like, the streak went on. And you know what? The streak would go on for another 358 games after that. So, wow. the streak of consecutive three-pointers made by the Raptors ended at 628 games. Jeez. But Jeez. you go back about the early part of that, around game 270 or something like that, and that three-pointer by Derek Martin all kind of made it happen. Yeah. So that for me is the most memorable. Re- it's so sad how bad, dark days of the Toronto Raptors where a streak of at least one three-pointer is the basically the pinnacle of Raptors. Back <laughs> that, <laughs> you know? that a Chuck Schwarzky is the yeah. only reason why we listen. Yeah. It wasn't Salami and cheese. It was yeah. because it was him. <laughs> Onions, baby. 100%. <laughs> oh, my God. That, those are some dark days. <laughs> And Mo P. Shine, you know, these two players who are like two of the top highlights of buzzer beaters or Raptors history during like the Toronto Craptors days. And <laughs> these are what they're most well known for, unless yeah. you're like a diehard fan. Yeah. So there you go. Well, see that. What about you, Jason? I want to say that Mo P. when 
uh, he drove to the for a layup and his headband covered his eyes, but he still made that layup. That was my favorite. Oh, that was sick. That was sick. <laughs> Pulling a D Brown over here. Yeah, right. But uh, my favorite buzzer beater talking about buzzer beaters that didn't end up winning the game is um, not too long ago, two years ago, uh, when we faced the Miami Heat and Kyle Lowry was having his worst game as a Raptor in the playoffs, uh, going over six or three. And we were down by three. Kyle Lowry kind of stumbles half court. And then he flings up this half court shot to tie the game. It's a three-point game. Raptors need a three here to tie it and send it into overtime. Do they give the foul? I would. Lowry scoops it up. Lowry lets it fly. was bonkers like i was watching this at home with my parents my sister was at the game actually and she even told me that people were leaving already and she was going she was running across the railway uh in the 300 level my my wife uh now was on a business trip in chicago she was watching the game too and she called me right when that buzzer beater hit and all she said was oh and then (laughs) and then hung up So, so that I think that like me that probably not the best buzzer beater, but I, that was the most hype I've ever been for a buzzer beater. I really I just can't believe all three of us listed buzzer beaters and none of them <laughs> won the game. So that's, that's so the, raptor. It's so right, raptor. <laughs> you know, you we could have gone with we could have gone with any of Vince Carter's any of his like Vince Carter three pointers yeah, like that Boston one was pretty good. Siakam and Danny Green. Yeah, the Corey Joseph one too. That was pretty good. Van Vliet last year. Yeah. That was sweet because again, again against the Wizards, but so many. What? What? You know, the funny thing is, like, it's funny how I. I think I just mentioned it, right? Like, you know, Siakam had his buzzer beater from earlier this year. He had the game of his life uh, last night. Um, yes, yeah. Against again, we're talking about the Wizards. A career high forty four points. What do what do we think about that? Spicy P didn't make the All Star game, but he's the All Star that we all know and love. Uh, putting up points and uh, let's just not trade him. Let's let's keep him, hang <laughs> on to him. You <laughs> trade him. Well, we can now, but like in the future, anyways, let's just not trade him. Let's keep him. I know. Let's just forget all of the uh, like uh, mock trades that we put him in to try to get Anthony Davis. Let's just pretend those never happened. What trades? <laughs> exactly. The fact I saw this on Twitter. The fact that we got Marcus All, Jeremy Lin, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green without giving up OG or Siakam. Yeah. Honestly, this all could be Bobby Webster. We're just giving Masai way too much credit. But I, I don't know what's going on. I think what the front office that the Raptors are doing is is incredible. And I get it. I get it. There's the legacy of of Toronto Raptors. And, and I know that you mentioned this, uh, Dre, I think we wanted to talk about this before while we were making our notes. We wanted to talk about like the spur that last Spurs and versus Grizzly game. It was basically like a Raptors alumni game <laughs> where it was like, like <laughs> there's a reunion. Yeah, exactly. There was the Rosen, there's gay, there was Bruno, there was Jerry Stackhouse, the Pardal, uh, C CJ, who else is there? DeLon, JV. Like it was, it was basically like a pickup game. Bellinelli. Yeah. Holy. So, this was like the purgatory after they die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, you made it here too. Okay. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're all in the sunken place. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like, but think of the parallels, right? That happened 
that happened the day before uh, the Washington game. And in the Washington game, the Raptors got 66 points from Siakam and OG. And that yeah. is, those are the two guys who, you know, if, you know, knock on wood, if, if Kawhi walks away and, you know, Gasol and Lowry and Ibaka, all of them, their contracts end in two seasons. So if, if we were to do a complete rebuild, Siakam and OG are going to be our core, uh, I guess, along with Van Vliet. And to see them drop 66 points is is a sight to see, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, again, if, if we're trying to think worst case scenario that all these guys are leaving us, you know, whether it's this summer or next summer, to less than two years from now, we, we already have our, our core. And, you know, Siakam's going to be an all-star, whether it's next year or... Or the year after, like it's the the future isn't as grim, right? So it, it's I'm ex- I'm still excited. That 44 point game was was something else. Speaking of All Star games and Kawhi walking, uh, All Star weekend's happening. Uh, Kawhi should he play? I would be surprised if he didn't play. To be honest, I feel like being an All Star is a privilege to these guys. I I know that he took a pretty hard fall in Atlanta, so I, that's it's no surprise that he hasn't been playing the last few games. Um, but I, I don't know, being an All Star is it's an honor, right? I mean, at least it should be. Uh, I know that we don't really know when it comes to Kawhi. He doesn't have social media, which is probably better for all of us, and we don't know what he feels. But when it comes to being an All Star. It's not like it's going to be a heavy load, right? There's going to be what, like a walkthrough uh, practice on Saturday, and then there's going to he's going to play like ten minutes, twelve minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. If anything, when it comes to this All Star break, I I want to see how Kawhi is going to react to all the questions about playing with Team LeBron, about the tampering, about all those questions that he's going to get and have to semi avoid about playing in LA. That's what I'm more. Not concerned because people have or media has tried to ask him about playing in other teams and other markets, and he's always shot it down. Uh, unlike you know Kevin Durant, but it's it's going to be interesting when when the focus is on him, and this is the chance for a lot of media to ask their questions. A lot of people don't get to come up to Toronto and ask him or even get like media time with him. So now it's like, okay, because he's an all-star, this is my chance to ask him the question. So I'm going to, and it's going to be everybody's question. And I think I'm very intrigued of how he's going to handle that. I like, I don't really care if he's going to play or not. I think it'd be cool uh, for him to play against Lowry. That'd be, that'd be interesting. But I mean, I, I really don't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't think it matters to him. Yeah, I think also he. Sh- I'm of the same mind. I think uh, even when he does play, I mean the the general like vibe and flow of All Star games for the most part is pretty lackadaisical. Like, mm-hmm. and he can kind of this is more like a practice to him, a scrimmage or whatever. And then if it becomes time for there to be, um, you know, let's say some crunch time and you know some. You know the defenses will pick up in the last five minutes if it happens to be a close game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if whether it's him or 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 Mike Malone, who is his coach for the game, um, just bench him or even if he asks it to sit out because Malone still has like LeBron and and a ton of other All Stars to choose from. So you know having Kawhi on the bench isn't really the end of the world there. So yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about that. And then also with regards to the questions about his free agency, yeah, they're going to come up. But there are also, you know, 25 other world-class All-Stars that these guys are going to want to interview, right? And if Kawhi 
shuts him down. I don't see them persisting too much because it's like, well, we still got to make time to talk to Wade right. and Dirk. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, the question will come up and it'll pass by just quickly, if, if not quicker than the other times he's received those questions. Yeah. And I think that's what he should do. Right. This is kind of old news because this is I'm harking back to what KD kind of said about uh, to the media. But I feel like if you tell them, no, I'm not going to talk about that. They're going to want to ask you something else probably about the game because you don't have enough time to ask all these questions that everybody else is asking you. What, you. They have like five minutes for everybody to ask them a question. You're really going to ask the same question over and over again. So like if he says it once, that's probably it. Right. If Kawhi says, I'm not going to talk about it, I think that would be it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about all these all star players, uh, you know, hotshots or whatever. Gotten players, the ones that still need to be bought out. Uh, do we still have a list? We still need a couple on our team. What do you guys think? So this is funny. I was listening to, I think it was Bob McCowan on 590, and he had Masai on uh, right after they signed Jeremy Lin. And then so there's this little, little thing that Masai said. Basically, he knows that. I'm paraphrasing, right? But he knows that there's going to be other like other players that are going to be bought out. So the fact that there are some players now that are bought out and are free agents, there's still going to be more. And I'm sure he knows that. And just some of the things that obviously we don't know um, or like the general public doesn't know. So it's going to be kind of interesting a few weeks. Breaking news, though, Markeith Morris, because I know that there is some talk about Markeith Morris are interested or the Raptors were interested in signing Markeith Morris. He's actually going to sign with OKC. So he's off the books. But I don't know if there's anyone else available now that is, you know, a good fit for us, but it's going to be interesting if we see someone being bought out in the next couple of weeks. Jay, what do you think? Um, I'm not too concerned about who that person will be. A couple of notes here. Uh, the Raptors are currently at, I believe it is 13 players. Um, because with Lynn signing and Boucher and Malcolm Miller signing contracts, that brings us up to 13. We are still below the league minimum of 14 and we have until uh, next Thursday uh, to reach that minimum because the, the, the league allows you to be under the minimum for 14 days. So 14 days from the trade deadline is actually next Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, which happens to be the first game out of the All-Star break where we face DeMar DeRozan. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, for sure. I'm sure we would, yeah. Uh, in, next, in next week's pod. Um, but yeah, going back to the roster, we really only need to sign one person. Uh, and for the sake of our salary cap, uh, it, it's more beneficial to the team to sign that person at the very last second. Because every day that passes is also a day where we are not paying uh, taxes and paying towards a player because the second they're signed we're paying them already so um i'm pretty sure masai will wait until the very last second probably wednesday night or thursday or whatever they'll sign someone um and who that person might be um is probably someone who's already there and available right now i mean it's nice to think that um you know someone could pop up on the market in the next few days i mean we saw that with jeremy lynn Atlanta was 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 saying they're not going to be buying out anyone. They're just going to kind of ride out the season. And then out of nowhere, it was like, okay, Lynn got bought out and he's going to the Raptors. So that's kind of what you're hoping for if you're hoping for a name that, um, you know, is currently not in the market. So, so um, and I don't know who that would be. But if we're looking at guys who are currently on the market, uh, I don't know. I uh, For some reason, Michael Beasley is 
there's a lot of good things being said about him. And all I'm hearing is that he's a good teammate. He's a good locker room presence. And, you know, he's not going to be commanding too much. So he'd actually be a pretty interesting one. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Like if there was someone on the buyout market you were also were thinking of. But uh, yeah, I don't know what you think, Dre. Gortat's still available, but I don't know. He was a wizard and he's a bit of a goofball. Don't know how I feel about that, but who knows? Uh, there might be a, a fit of some sort. Uh, Jason, what about you? I had a, a, a feeling that Markeith Morris uh, was going to go somewhere else, but at the same time, when it comes to free agent signings or signings in general, so trades, I feel like it was it's very apparent for the Raptors to bring in quality character guys. Uh, you see Marcus Saul, you see Jeremy Lin, even Kawhi. These guys aren't, I mean, we obviously don't know them personally, but by by watching this team afar, it's like, you know, these, these guys aren't very, they don't really have much of a history when it comes to beef in the locker room. You know, like they're very low maintenance, they, they're good teammates, and I think that's what they need in order to uh, develop or continue to develop players like Siakam and, and Norm and OG. So like having good character guys is important. So I don't think anyone off the streets, hey, uh, Michael Beasley, yeah, let's go. But uh, is he going to be a fit for the team? We don't know. There is anything besides him being a good player. I, he has to also be a good character guy. I'm just glad Portland took Cantor. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I did not want him on our and the I one other another point that I, I the other reason why I don't really care who we get is because whoever we sign is just they're just filler for the remaining twenty some odd games because come playoff time they're not going to get any any playing time. Right. Playoff playoffs are when the rotations get slimmer. We already have our top nine guys. That top nine doesn't even necessarily include Jeremy Lin, so that gives you an idea mm-hmm. of what kind of rotation what kind of a strong rotation we have so whoever that person is going to be whether it's ben mclemore whether it's beasley gortat whoever it is um they're they're, they're basically not going to play in the playoffs anyway so um yeah that's that's kind of my 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 final two cents on that and it'd be interesting to see who we sign but i wouldn't get too worked up over who it is or isn't it's going to be interesting for the next couple of weeks. I think you said, Jay, the we have until next Thursday, and that's right before we play uh, the Spurs, i.e. DeMar DeRozan revenge game. So until then, Dre, where can I find you, my friend? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs, and you can find my film editorial and review website, filmsfatale.com. I'm still going through each and every single freaking Oscar film that's been nominated. There's a million. Uh, <laughs> Jay, what about you? Yeah, I do not. I do not envy the amount of work you're putting into this into your site, but I love it. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I've I've got uh, my work on Raptors HQ. I was on, as I mentioned, Roundtable the other day, and uh, some interesting discussions there on like picks we've got for the All Star Weekend. Um, and you can always catch my work every Monday, uh, where I do the games of the week. We already know what's going to happen next week when we face the, the Spurs. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, Rosalisaurus and yeah, find me at Raptors HQ. What about you, Jay? Uh, yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at jlone 20 You can find us on Twitter at That's Rep Pod. You can find this podcast on all your podcatchers, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. It really helps us find all you Raptor fanatics. Oh, and make sure to follow us on Raptors HQ, too, because that is our new home base. Yeah, man, that's a wrap. Seriously, LeBron James, you have every intention of owning an NBA team. You've already owned, like, three. 
the Lakers, the Heat, the Cavs, etc. 